uh, arms wide and hearts abandoned is how we come to him. To hope as you are singing today, you, you listen to those words. The only way we come to him is with our arms open. The only way he embraces us is when our arms are open. So you don't get to preach on Sunday morning and kind of start feeling like a real preacher. But Matthew, you didn't tell me how many eyeballs are out here. You kind of described it, but didn't do it justice. There are a lot of you. But I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to get to share God's word with you and uh, kind of share what God's been doing with my life and what he's been impressing on my heart. You know, the past several months, I've been on a journey. Many of you know I've been in seminary. But seminary in and of itself is not the end. It's a time to grow. It's a time to develop. And much of that is done outside the classroom. So like many of you, I wonder what God has for my life. What he wants me to do. So as part of my personal growth, I've been going through a study called Experiencing God. So some of you have probably done this study or done one similar. So I started back in April for a 12-week study, and I'm on week eight. So if you've done the math in your head, 12 weeks, and I could have done it twice by now. But it's a journey. It's not a destination. And I was told when I started this journey to make sure it is just that. Not to rush through it, not to, not to find my way just to get to the end of it. But to spend each week, each time I sit down, to spend time with God. Commune with him. And let him speak to me through this. So as I work on my relationship with him, as I spend time with him, commune with him in prayer. He keeps taking me back to one word. Renewal. We talk about renewal, we can talk about renewing our driver's licenses. We talk about renewing Netflix, magazine subscriptions. But we also must renew our lives. So renewing is taking a look at where you're at. Understanding this is not where you're supposed to be and making a correction. For those that don't know Christ yet, we often use the ABCs. A, admit to God you're a sinner. B, believe in God's only son. And C, confess, turn from your sins. So it's so simple, we think about coming as a Christian, but for Christians, it's really a simple formula too. And James lays it out here for us. He says we need to repent, renew, and restore. James is going to tell us to repent, to turn from our sin, to draw near to God. So to, to allow God to renew us and know that God will restore us. Repent, renew, and restore so see, we'll be in James today in chapter 4, so if you have Bibles and you'll open them there, you can start turning there. And I want to set the stage for you a little bit, what James is talking about in this section. So James, the brother of Jesus Christ, is writing to Christians. I think that's important. See, these are Jewish believers that are being tested. Their faith is starting to slip. They're starting to see more of the world and less of Christ. They're putting their trust in the world, and James writes this in chapter 4. This will kind of set up our... our sermon for today. James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James says, you adulterous people. 
He's speaking to the church. And what powerful words he uses here. As a church, we're the bride of Christ. We are married to Christ. So any action we take that's contrary or pulls us away from him, James is called adultery. In the Gospel of Matthew, we can look and see Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you love the one and hate the other, or devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Since Christians were called to be the salt and light to lost people, to allow the love of Christ to show through us. But how can people see a Savior in us? We're not walking with him. We're told to be in the world, but not of the world. But it becomes all too easy to get pulled back. We're going to leave here three or four hours from now. Um, Okay, we're not. But we're going to leave here, leave Sunday. Monday's going to come. We're going to go to work. The world's going to come back at us again. We leave our safe space. When we get there, we're going to see bills, broken bones, braces, too much month into money. Despair comes. TV shows that are becoming more and more risque. It's hard to even turn the TV on anymore. Lyrics on most mainstream stations on the radio, I don't want to listen to. Conversations start to, to move. Words are not completely true. We live in a world of slipping morals. And if we're not careful, we slowly slide into that too. And maybe I didn't hit exactly what you're going through today. Maybe there's something else there. As we talk through those, your mind should start be moving towards areas. Start moving towards areas in your life where you're not seeing yourself quite aligned with Christ. In these actions, there's separation. There's separation from God. But when all this is happening, we just need to remember to look up, repent, renew, and restore. We're going to be in James chapter 4 today, verse 7. And if you have your Bible, and if you can, enable. But just stand with me in the reading of God's holy word. James 4, starting down in verse 7. It says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Please pray with me. Father God, thanks for the opportunity to come together and to, to hear your word and to read your word. And Father, as we open your word up today and, and hear your sermon, that your words flow through. It's your message we come to. And your decisions we come to, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So repent, renew, and restore. So James warning believers against falling back into worldly desires. Telling Christians to submit to God, to resist the devil. And he calls us to repent. But why do we need to repent? Why do we need to submit to God? To submit is to be subject to. Same word you use to be subject to a king. Subject to a ruler or to a country, to a government. Peter uses this as he references servants and subject to masters and angels and power subject to Christ. But there's power in the master. There's power in that authority. So we're placed on this earth 
to commune with Creator, to worship Him and serve Him. But in the end, we are still sinners. And sin drives a wedge between us and God. It separates us. You say, Brother Nathan, we're Christians, we're forgiven. Yes. And praise God for that. But we still sin. And when you sin, you're still going to drive a wedge between you and God. It's still going to separate you. John writes this in, in 1 John. He says, writing to Christians, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. He goes on to say, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, make God a liar, and his word is not in us. See, God by nature is truth. To make him out to be a liar. So we make him a liar. If God is a liar, then we'll all gather here in vain. No. See, God is the purveyor of truth. He is the holder of truth. And so he tells us we still sin. No matter how hard we try, we will continue to sin. Now, I'll also hear this. This is not a license to sin. Make sure you get the difference. We're still called to be separated from the world. But we will sin eventually. We will slip. Steve Gaines, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, says this. He says, when a person becomes a Christian, he's not entered into a state of sinless perfection. We're not perfect. That's good news. We don't have to be. Because if you wanted me to be perfect, I'd hard to say none of us would be here right now. Because we can't come to him that way. We can't come to him and be perfect. But when we sin, when we slide back, we must go to God and ask for forgiveness. We must repent. But how do we repent? How do we draw near to God? Repentance by nature is forgiveness. Just go to God, ask for forgiveness, and be sincere about it. Now, it's not like my kids. I have three kids that like to fight. And when I tell one to apologize to the other, and you get that snarky sorry, all your parents know that one, we're not talking about that. This is, this is true forgiveness, true repentance, true sorrow. And think about this. Forgiveness in the Bible is used over 100 times. really the, the cornerstone of our relationship with Christ. Without his forgiveness to us, without his time on the cross, we have no relationship. So really forgiveness is a cornerstone. So through Christ's sacrifice, we receive forgiveness. We enter into a relationship with him. And as we enter into this relationship with him and with the Father, we draw near to him. And look back with me here at verse 8. It says, to draw near to God, and it says, he will draw near to you. We don't have to go the whole way. We just have to go little ways. But what does it matter if God draws near to us? To see, to draw near to God is to receive his power. To commune with God is to have his power. And you say, Power. Jesus, as he's getting ready to ascend, he said this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We receive God's power. See, our sin impedes our relationship with the Father, but also impedes the power we receive from the Holy Spirit. But when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and he'll cleanse us. 
It's important because we need this power. We need this power because James says then, we must resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But you can't resist the devil without the power of God. So as we discussed, you cannot live a sinful life, but you can live a life of less sin. Paul tells us in Romans to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We will resist the devil, resist the schemes of the devil, and resist the temptations of this world. Not say, I'll by, let the world run us and ruin us. We're putting the whole armor of God and rely on his power to resist the devil. But when we repent of our sins and return to God, he gives us power to resist the schemes of the devil and we're then called to be renewed. He says here at the end of verse 8, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says to cleanse your life. Let God to purify your heart. And those words sound kind of familiar. It's the same thing you hear with the ceremonial cleansings. It's what our Jewish audience would have understood when God said, cleanse yourself. But you can't do that alone. So you must let God cleanse you and purify you. Maybe you look down on your, on your finger and, and see a diamond. And diamonds carry great value. Monetarily, we know these aren't real cheap. But sentimentally, there's a value to it. While I look down, I can remember the covenant I made with my wife. It's a constant reminder to me. We get sentimental value in what I wear every day. Diamonds are formed deep in the earth, out of sight. One day they're mined. But they come out looking much more like this. I don't know about you, that doesn't look too appealing. I probably would not wear that on my finger. But it goes through a process. It's crushed. It's milled. And it's separated. We get rough diamonds. And each diamond is unique. And it's sorted then into about 12,000 categories. I didn't realize that many diamonds, types of diamonds. Apparently there are. 12,000 categories. That's, that's, that's very unique. And just as iron sharpens iron, diamond then cuts diamond. They shape into things you see in the store. But there's no room for error. You see, if a diamond is cut wrong, a fraction of a millimeter loses value. It no longer has the value that it was made for. One last step before you're ready for that ring. It must be polished. See, a freshly mined diamond has much potential. Much splendor to be seen. In the hands of a master craftsman, a diamond comes to life and shines. So most of you think of diamonds, this is what you think of. We're really no different, though. We're knitted together in our mother's womb. Out of sight. Born into this world without an understanding of the purpose God has for us. The Holy Spirit will draw you to the Father. When he draws you to Christ, he invites you to be in fellowship with him. 
But then there you are, a child of Christ, a Christian, such potential, but not knowing where to go. But when you submit yourself to God, the master craftsman, he will transform your life. He'll cleanse you and he will polish you. He'll prepare you, not only to commune with him, but to fulfill the purpose he has for your unique life. So allow God to search you. Allow him to polish you. See, if we reject the teachings of the Bible, if we reject the instruction God has for us, at a minimum, we fail to live up to his potential. Fail to live up to his will for us. You see me say here, Brother Nathan, happy the way I am. I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. Got good money, successful, I'm good. But are you? See, man was designed to have fellowship with God, which is why we're made in his, in God's image. To neglect the spirit, to not do what God has called you to do, is actually sin for you. He said, wait a minute. I've read the Bible. It doesn't talk about all the decisions I make in my life. So there's no way you can call that sin. I don't need to. Look down at James chapter 4. Let's go down to verse 17. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, that is sin. And if it is sin, then it separates you from God. So if you've been called to be a businessman and you don't do it, that's sin for you. If you've called to be a stay-at-home mom and you don't do it, that's sin for you. If you're called to be a preacher, an evangelist, a Sunday school teacher, a musician, and don't do it, that's sin for you. So ask God to search you. Ask him to show you where you're failing him and may not even realize it. James says there'll be mourning and weeping during this process. See, there's pain in correction. There's pain in shifting your life. And just as there's times when we correct our kids, we know we're inflicting pain on them. We know it's necessary to make them who they need to be. But the good news is that God does not leave you there. He doesn't leave you in that state of correction he restores you. He'll put a new desire in your heart. And if you allow him, he'll create a work in your life and he'll polish you. Allow him to take control and lead your life. That's what, that's what he's asking here. So we spend time on our knees, letting God create a work in us. We submit. We turn back to Christ. He welcomes us back home. And he brings us to restored life. So restored life is interesting. Students, I want to talk to you for a minute. I'm going to give you a number, a statistic. 75% nationwide of our students will not be in church when they graduate high school. Think about that. There's four in the second row. Only one of you is going to be in church. That's what the statistics show. It's staggering. But it's also why we pour into you. It's why we have Brother Andrew. It's why you look behind you and see your leader sitting behind you. They're here to support you. 
That's why we help pray for church camp. That's why Disciple Now is coming in a couple weeks. Here's your plug, Andrew. <laughs> but we're hoping through this, you become part of the 25%. That you're still here after graduation. But if not, here's the good news. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how far you run, just come home. Church, the past few weeks we've been talking about the lost parables in Luke. And if you missed some of those, I highly encourage you to go back, go to believers, and go listen to those. You'll be greatly blessed by hearing them. But what he said, three people here. We have a shepherd. It was great rejoicing when he found his lost sheep. There's a lady with much rejoicing when she found her lost coin. And lastly, there was great rejoicing when the lost son came home. A sheep, a coin, and a lost son. Three things there, but one truth. Returning and being restored. See, when we're running away, no matter how far we run, no matter how fast we run, we just need to stop. If you get nothing else out of the sermon today, I want you to get this part. When we stop, when we turn around, he's standing there with arms open, ready to receive you back into his family, ready to restore you back to the place that you left. He's sitting there waiting for you if you come back. See, restore relationships often take humility. And the Bible is full of examples for us of humility. We look back at David, humbled himself after the prophet Nathan approached him for murder and adultery. He was told his child was about to die, and David did, said he fasted and went and lay all night on the ground for seven days. Isaiah, a noble, says, Woe is me, for I am lost. From a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of unclean people. Go to the New Testament, John the Baptist. Great leader of the time, so many disciples. They said, of Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Look at our Savior. Look at Jesus in his last days on earth. Garden Gethsemane, he's humbling himself to the will of the Father. Right before he's being betrayed, he said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Luke records that during this prayer, he was in such agony, he began to pray more earnestly. As he prayed, sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. What humility you see in these great people of the Bible. What submission, what examples for us they are. See, but submission must run through your whole life. To be exalted to God is to live his plan for you. Now, this isn't saying life's going to be easy. It's not saying you're going to have riches beyond your wild desires. It's not saying that if things happen in your life, you're going to understand everything that happens. You won't. But James also gives words of comfort here. Back in chapter 1, he says, Account it all joy, my brother. 
when you meet the various trials. For you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, submitting to God's plan means knowing that he is responsible for the outcome. But what does it mean to submit to God daily? We talk about worldly examples of the Bible. We talk about Jesus and John the Baptist and Isaiah, David. We often see them up here and us down here, right? They're no different than us. Except for Jesus being perfect. But he still had the desires of the flesh while he was here on earth. New house being built, hot and humid outside. Subcontractors running way behind. You imagine the angst there on the site, trying to get this house done. But one of those contractors that hadn't been showing up was the porta potty cleaner. It says it got so bad the crew started to gag. Truck pulls up, out pops a guy. Not the normal maintenance man. Not the one they're expecting to see. This guy was big and burly and covered in tattoos. When he hops out, he hops out with a smile, singing away. Disappeared into his cubicle for a long time. So long that construction crew stops, starts to stare, trying to figure out what is this guy doing in there. Now, Hopefully you can imagine by now, I've been in porta potties at the fair and other places. We're at a construction site. It's a pretty rough day. So this guy's been there that long. It's so bad for the crew outside, you can imagine him inside. The crew started snickering, thinking about him being inside this porta potty so long. Then he pops out, and the smell starts to come across the yard. It's an inviting smell. Maintenance man apologizes for the trouble and hops back in his car to leave. As he gets in, he's singing. One construction worker stops him and says, okay, first off, how can you do that? How can you do that job? I'm thinking that too. You probably are also. But then he asks this. He says, more importantly, why? Why do you do that? Management replied, he said, you see, I work for the Lord. And every task I do, I do it as for him. So I don't know about you, but my job is not near as bad as I see that when I see what he had to go through. I don't know if I have a lot to complain about each day. See, but submission must run through your whole life to have the proper relationship with the Father. Remember back at the beginning, James cautioned the church. He said, you adulterous people, do you not know that your friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, wishes to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. He calls us simply to repent, renew, and restore. Oh, heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to talk to you this morning. Where are you at?
Are you drawing near to God? Are you living a life that is pleasing to him? If not, friends, the Father is calling out to you today. He says, come back to me and I will restore you. For some of you, you cannot renew a relationship that you do not have. So God wants nothing more than to count you as one of his children. We talked at the beginning. That process is as simple as ABC. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Believe in his son that he sent to die on the cross for you. Confess your sin. Turn from it and turn back to him. Come to him. Let him reset your life today. So whether you're here today, you know Christ. Things aren't going the way you wanted them to be. Or whether you've never accepted him. No better time than today to come to him. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together, to study your word, to hear your words, and hear you speak to each one of us. Father, we're each going through trials in our life, going through struggles, things we don't understand. Father, we slide back away from you. Father, we do that. Father, you restore us. Bring us back to you. Allow us to humble ourselves before you and let you cleanse us. Father, for those who don't know you today, Father, I ask today be the day that you push on their hearts so hard they step out. Father, push Satan aside and let their feet to move, their heart to open. I may invite you in today. If God's work on your heart tonight, Work on your heart today. If he's drawing you, we're going to stand sing here in just a minute. You can drive where you're at, you can step out in the aisle and come forward. Either way, don't leave here today if you made yourself right with God. Amen.